The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now we want to t- turn to Gaza, and I'm joined in studio by Dana Ehrlich, Israel's ambassador to Ireland. Ambassador, good morning and welcome. Good morning. First of all, um, your reaction to the news of the deaths of two of the three hostages featured in video over the weekend uh, by Hamas and ultimately featuring in a second video narrated by the surviving hostage claiming that Israeli defence forces were responsible for the deaths of the two. Unfortunately, what we've seen is another playbook by Hamas which are abusing this uh, horrible psychological terror game. Um, Obviously, we cannot believe anything that they're they're forcing the hostages to say. And we saw Noah Gamani and we can just pray for all of them and pray for her. We know how uh, badly uh, her mother is. Her mother has uh, cancer in her head and is praying for her immediate release so she can say her last goodbyes in person to her, to Noah. But we do know, it appears from the second video, that Yossi Shirabi and Idez Frisky are dead. We don't have official confirmation for that. We are concerned for their safety and their lives, as we are with all of the kidnapped. And uh, it is important to mention, because we don't have any actual proof of life of the the kidnapped that are held in Gaza. The Red Cross has not been given access to them. They have not been given their medications. And this is just a horrible situation that we all need to call out for. And we don't understand why the UN organizations, including Red Cross, including UNICEF, are silent. But isn't it likely that uh, actions by the IDF, aerial bombardment and, uh, you know, incursions on the ground with all sorts of ordnance would almost statistically bring about the deaths of some of the hostages? Uh, We're doing everything in our power, not just to make sure that our kidnapped are not hurt, but the other civilians who are uninvolved will be hurt. We are doing the utmost. This is the point. You know, you say you're doing your very best to avoid civilian casualties and uh, certainly to, to try to preserve the life of the hostages. But in spite of all of that care, according to Hamas and their you know, there's lots of video evidence of death and destruction. They claim more than 24,000 Palestinians are dead in spite of the care that you claim you're, you're taking. The numbers are given by a Hamas-led department, so we cannot be sure of the numbers. But there are but many, uh, many dead. Yes, many, many the dead. situation on the ground is tragic, not just in Israel, but in Gaza. And every death, every other death is, is too much. We need to stop this. You are completely correct. But it all needs. To, we need to ask ourselves why. Why are the numbers high? Why is Hamas so embedded in its civilian population? What happens to all the buildings that are booby trapped by Hamas? All the terror tunnels underneath that Gaza infrastructure. What happens to all the thousands of misfired rockets who hurt civilian population in Gaza? But there's no doubt most of the ordnance that explodes in Gaza is Israeli ordnance. A lot of the the attacks are against the infrastructure of Hamas, and we are doing this very carefully. We are committed to international law, and we abide by international law the and international the rules law of war. Allows it's you not to, something to, that we say lightly. Uh, international law allows you, in theory, to have a go at a hospital or a school or any kind of uh, civil infrastructure that you believe is is hiding the 
activities of Hamas. Isn't and that so? we don't just believe, but we've shown time and time again the amount of weapons that they have but, beneath but those do infrastructures. But do you not have to actually suck it up and not attack because you want to preserve the lives of ordinary people. Yes, and we've shown that with the weeks that it took us to finally attack the Shifa hospital. Underneath the Shifa hospital, that whole infrastructure, we had evidence that our kidnapped are held there, but we asked repeatedly people for weeks to evacuate because we didn't want to see any uninvolved civilian get hurt. Unfortunately, again, I didn't hear any condemnation from the WHO for other UN organizations. Even here in Ireland, why are people not condemning Hamas for abusing those civilian infrastructures? Um, condemning Hamas would be one thing. And, you know, you say, tell them, please do not do this. Please do not use ordinary people as human shields, um, who is to say they would pay any attention to it? Uh, and Israel carries on knowing that civilians will die. I mean, there's no question about it. If you're going to target a hospital, a school or uh, any other piece of important infrastructure that, that, that people need for nutrition, for water and so on, for power, um, ordinary people are going to die. You are right that Hamas are, are cowards. They're, for lack of another word, there are psychopathic coward terror organization that sacrifices its own people, uses them as human shields, and it's up to the international community to call that out. And I understand the support that there is here in Ireland for the Palestinian cause. And this is why I ask Irish people to hold Hamas accountable for what they're doing to condemn Hamas. We don't hear those voices enough. Now, uh, Hamas obviously started the current round of hostilities on uh, October the 7th. Um, and, you know, Israel is using that as a justification for uh, what has happened in Gaza. But Hamas would go back right to the foundation of the Israeli state and say, that's the real heart of this. The British, the international community who allowed us to be thrown off our traditional lands, our home place well, to create Israel. In the partition so, plan so voted on by the UN, there was an opportunity to establish a Palestinian state. And we need to remember that we took that opportunity and we established an Israeli state. The day after that, we were attacked by all the Arab countries around us. And time and time again, we've shown that the, when there is a viable opportunity for negotiations and for peace, we will sit down even with enemies in order to make sure that we have future, a safe future for our children and for our country. We'll, but we'll right come. now what we're seeing is an organization that calls for the elimination, the genocidal elimination of Israelis and the Jewish people. And they shamelessly say so bluntly in their charter, in interviews. We believe them. So do you believe that the charge of uh, genocide by South Africa is misplaced, that it should be, first of all, in the first instance, aimed at Hamas? Yes, completely. And it's absurd that application, we reject it categorically because it does not define what Hamas is doing, what they say that they will repeatedly do again and again. And it's abusing the term genocide against the people that it was carried out. Now, you have been accused of genocide by South Africa in the International Court of Justice. Now, the definition, which is agreed by one and all of genocide is a crime committed with the intent to destroy a national, ethnic, racial or religious group in whole 
or in part. Now, Israel has been involved in the deliberate destruction of people's homes, the destruction of the means to provide medical care, nutrition, schooling for children, the forced migration from one area within Gaza to another. If it doesn't constitute genocide in whole, it certainly would seem on the face of it to constitute genocide in part. I reject that completely. I think we've shown time and time again the amount of aid that is going into Gaza and all the um, the time and trouble that we're taking in order to make sure that more aid goes in. We've opened another crossing. We're trying to carry out the the checks as quickly as possible. We ask the UN employees to extend their working hours. We ask them to give more manpower so more more aid goes in. That hasn't been done yet. So yeah. again, but, but to, isn't this uh, to, the, the equivalent of of saying uh, to to someone? I'll tell you what: we light a few fires here, and then we'll supply the fire brigade to put the fires we lit to put them out. Hamas, and isn't that exactly what Israel is doing? You destroy, you you have cause people to move. They've no schooling, they've no medical care, they've no hardship, and then you say, "Well, we let the people in who are going to undo the damage we've done." But not talking about Hamas and all of their strategy is just turning a blind eye and maybe just letting them off, off the hook. They say, again, shamelessly, that they will repeat this because their aim is to eliminate Israel, kill Israelis, kill Jewish people. We've seen them kill foreign nationals. There are still 11 of the kidnapped are foreign nationals. So we see that they are very serious in their genocidal attempts okay, and so, that they're sacrificing their people to do that. So what is the end game here for, for Israel? I mean, what stops that? Because there are those who believe this will just generate another a generation of people who will volunteer to be part of Hamas or whatever organization might succeed it. Leaders will emerge from the ranks of uh, of those who survive that this is only a sticking plaster, that this will go on and on and on. Well, unfortunately, that we've seen the amount of hatred and indoctrination for hatred before October 7th. We've seen this in summer camps of Hamas. We've even seen it in school books of UNRWA, that uh, education for hatred, education for delegitimizing Israel and its existence. So unfortunately, that education has been long witnessed uh, in, yeah. in Gaza and in other parts. But, but do you think that the education they're getting under bombardment from Israel is, is going to make them like Israel? I know that our children are going up also. It's not even post-trauma, but in trauma, in the south of Israel, in the north of Israel. But we're not teaching them to hate. We're teaching them that eventually, we've shown this again, that we will sit down and make sure that there is a viable solution, that there is a safe future for our children. And this is what we can only hope that the people of Gaza will teach their children, but they can't go on living under the Hamas regime. And if we care about the Palestinians, then we can't let them go on living under that Hamas regime. Do you believe, though, that leaders could emerge from the Palestinian population in Gaza who would deal with Israel in formulating some sort of uh, agreement uh, and who would survive the attentions of Hamas who would not approve of any such negotiation. Right now, what we need to deal with is bringing the kidnapped back and eliminating the threat to us in Israel and also to the Palestinians under the Hamas regime. 
Uh, we've seen in the past that there were different brave Palestinian leaders who were leading, willing to negotiate and discuss. But again, right now, what we're talking about is a, a future outcome, and we are dealing with an imminent threat that is on our doorstep. Now, what is going on is that imminent threat. And I was asking you, what do you see as a victory? What is mission accomplished for the IDF in Gaza at the moment? I'm trying to to imagine what Israel would be satisfied with. I don't think there is any victory. And, And this is a tragic war. And in general, in wars, there are no victories. But right now, we want to see the kidnapped go back home. On Thursday, we'll be celebrating the first birthday of Kfir. And we've all seen his mm-hmm. photo. I'm sure that uh, the listeners here also know the pictures of the two redhead babies that were kidnapped. Kfir, which was kidnapped when he was nine months, will be one year on Thursday. We yeah. want to see him and his family back. We but, but want to make is, sure is, is, that our is, rockets are not fired yeah. at Israel every day. And even today, okay. this morning, before coming here, there were rockets fired at Israel. But, we need that to stop. But this is the, the difficulty I have. You, you've got a, a, a lovely baby there coming up to her first birthday um, who's held hostage. But how many babies of one year or less are being killed by IDF ordinance? I mean, why is one Israeli baby's life a hostage worth more than a thousand Palestinian babies. No baby should die. And every death is a tragedy, not just for the baby, but the whole family, for the whole country. We know that. And this is why we ask to hold Hamas accountable. There are reasons that they're hiding like this as cowards behind their population, because they know that Israel will be criticized for it. But we need to make sure that our population is safe, not just the kidnapped in Gaza, but the people in Israel. So, so, so what does that victory look like? Or sorry, that that point in time, it won't be a victory for anybody, I suspect. And we'll talk about how Israel might be regarded in the international community after uh, this uh, particular war. Um, what does it look like? What does Mission Accomplished look like? Bringing all of them back, bringing the 136 kidnapped who are still held in Gaza. Some of them we know that are not alive and are just held as a as a very cynical game by Hamas. But uh, I mean, I mean if you take sure this logic, if we get 120 hostages back, uh, that means mm-hmm. that, that Hamas have uh, no leverage anymore with the lives of those hostages, which means that the IDF could go after them without fearing uh, what Hamas are charging you with, which is killing some of, uh, of your own people. We are still obligated to international law and we still operate under the rules of war. So that will continue because we do, we are legally bind by it and we hold it also not just legally, but now, morally. It may be many years before the uh, International Court of Justice hand, hands down any kind of a ruling on this. If it is, yes, Israel is guilty in whole or in part of genocide, it means people will be held to account. And I suppose we could expect to see Benjamin Netanyahu arraigned before the International Criminal Court. That's a very hypothetical hypothetical, scenario. But but isn't that the logical follow on if the court, International Court of Justice, was to find Israel guilty? I cannot find any logic in a court finding Israel guilty for defending itself and not holding Hamas accountable for what they're 
bluntly say that they're doing. They said what they will do. They carried out what they're doing, and they said that they will repeat it. So we need to hold them accountable for that. Now, uh, the, the question of a provisional order from the court, which might come rather sooner, it might be in, in a matter of weeks before the end of January, if an order at, for a, a ceasefire comes from the provisional, uh, from, in a provisional order from the court, will Israel obey that? Again, I, I can't f- really think of a very possible scenario or a logical, hypothetical scenario that Israel is blamed for defending its people. No, the provisional seen, order would be not saying Israel is guilty or otherwise. That would come, as I say, perhaps years later. But they could make a provisional order, as they did in the case of Russia and Ukraine, which was ignored totally by, by Russia. Uh, will Israel ignore such an order? I, again, this is a very hypothetical situation. But we've seen how Hamas abused the previous ceasefire that was. We saw, we saw how they broke that ceasefire. And we saw all the... terror entities and malign influence that are gazing and benefiting from this situation, from the situation in the north, what the, that Hezbollah is firing in Israel every day. We see the Iran, Iranian-backed Houthis operating and causing terror on international shipping. And this is a war, a global war about terror that we should all work on together in the same way that the world joined together in order to fight ISIS, we need to work together in order to fight this terror. It's not how much of the world actually sees the conflict. I think you'll agree because there's been much criticism of, of, of Israel for its conduct of the war in Gaza. China has called for an international conference to bring about a ceasefire and a move towards a two-state solution. What is Israel's response to that call from China? Uh, right now, there are different calls and different international players that are um, calling different initiatives. I think we are working with our partners in order to make sure that Israel is safe, that there are less casualties in Gaza and more international aid going in. And we're doing that in order to make sure that there is some sort of stability on the ground. And we need to make sure that the entities, the countries responsible for all of the malign, uh, malign activity is held accountable. And we're talking about Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran, the Houthis, uh, all operating in coordination. Now, the calls for a conference or a ceasefire or both uh, ultimately leading to that two-state solution, is that off the table now? Uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu seemed to indicate he's not going back to Oslo, he's not going anywhere near that. I th- again, I think it's too soon to talk about that. <clears throat> when we still have those kidnapped in Gaza, when there's still rockets being launched at Israel every day, when the Hamas leaders say that given the opportunity, they will carry it again and again. But what we have shown in the past, that when there is an opportunity, then we will seriously uh, negotiate. So is a two-state solution still on the table? Right now, I don't think that it's relevant to discuss this with a terror organization that calls for our elimination and destruction. And the Palestinian Authority and Hamas are not even in condition that they are talking. So I think this is a very, very hypothetical scenario. But what I'm counting on is what we've shown in the past. And Israel has signed agreements and has negotiated with different countries and with the Palestinian Authority in hopes to achieve uh, stability in the region. Do you believe there is any possibility of a lasting peace without uh, Israel forfeiting some land for peace? Uh, 
as an Israeli, I'm always optimistic because this is our future and this is the only place that uh, we live at. This is our only country, the only Jewish state. So we are always optimistic and we've shown that we are willing to make major sacrifices in order to make sure that we are achieve that stability. It, it may be fanciful, but we had a, a former parliamentarian from South Africa on explaining South Africa's case. And he said, you know, people were fearful in South Africa that uh, the, the white people who had dominated for so long dominated a, a, a majority of black people that they would be swamped. And yet under Nelson Mandela, South Africa has managed to create uh, a solution that works for people of all colors and backgrounds. I think this is a very different situation than South Africa, but it's just sad to see South Africa with its, its history support a terror organization. And it's sad to see them um, aligning themselves with a terror organization and legitimizing. We saw that they already condemned Israel on October 8th, before, after, right after the atrocities that Hamas performed. We didn't see any condemnation of Hamas and they not they don't think Hamas is a terror organization. It's also sad. I mean, it's the same country that didn't um, arrest uh, the leader of Sudan responsible for the Darfur genocide. So that is not the country that we hold morally accountable. Dan Ehrlich, uh, Israel's ambassador to Ireland. Thank you very much for joining us in studio. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.